What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Um, today, we have one of my favorite people that I've ever met while traveling. Uh, Chase uh, Gamble is a real interesting cat. He is a professional MMA fighter, um, an activist in his local community, um, and how we met was someone sent me this video of this guy walking out to an MMA fight to I Am. Now, I couldn't imagine walking out uh, to a fight <laughs> listening to I Am, but this dude did, so I just reached out, was like, yo, man, respect. And then he was like, you know, when you come through North Carolina, man, we'd love to have you at the gym, because he knew that I trained, yada, yada. But we hung out for a few days, man, and I got to know him and the crew over at Jimmo, um, and I was uh, I was blown away by what I found at, at Jimmo and the type of people uh, that were just at that gym um, and getting to know Chase a little bit. Um, yeah, and I, and I just want the world to know about him and everybody at that gym because it's a real, real special crew of people and, and Chase is at the top of that heap as far as uh, special, special cats over there at Jimmo and Gastonia, North Carolina. So without further ado, my brother, Chase Gamble. All right, Chase Gamble, how you doing, bro? Welcome to the Satsung Podcast. Good, man. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. We just got a foot of snow out of nowhere. It's supposed to be 60 degrees tomorrow. But yeah, we got, yeah, just a foot of snow, man. Came out of nowhere. How's, uh, how's it been down there, man? What's the, uh, what's the vibe? Actually, literally, right before we hopped on, I saw a map. Um, this statistician did a, <clears throat> did a map of the U.S. and by color showed states that were probably mm-hmm. going to be able to start reopening. And, you know, a color of how far away that is. And I that both North Carolina and Montana are on track to open before any other state because yeah. they've handled it. Yeah, I think I think our, our officials have done a good job. I know specifically uh, Gaston County, we've got a couple guys who've kind of led the way. They took they took reins and made, I think, a decision before the state even made a decision. Um, it's kind of cool. So they're really, you know, exercising their power of local government and uh, – it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely a blessing not being a crazy place. I know that one of the ER or the ICU doctors works with us, um, you know, so he's actually been hands on with it. He told me firmly that he thought it would be over with sooner than later. They got a good grasp on it. Yeah, so I mean, that's, cool. that's what's what's cool to see. It sucks that, you know, obviously that the country didn't get on it as quick as they could sure. or should have. Because, yeah, I mean, I know from Montana, we went, you know, I think our peak was – I think we're at maybe 400 cases in the entire state and it hasn't really been going up. Yeah. And even, even, and I think of the 400, almost 300 have recovered. So it's like, we just shut sure. it down before, it yep. even, <laughs> before shit even hit the fan. What would yeah, for was sure. We, I, I went to a seminar with Dave Camarillo and it was the, it was the day before they started shutting shit. Oh shoot. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to end it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he came, uh, he came from the Bay and when he showed up, no one really knew what the fuck was going on yet. You know? So when he showed up, he's like, all right, do we hug or shake hands? <laughs> yeah. Um, I see the, I see some of our guys yesterday. Uh, we all go work out kind of in very small group, maybe one or two of us pair up, you know? And yeah, we go do things. Well, we all kind of seen each other yesterday and I broke the rule. First thing I went and hugged everybody and I was like, I'm sorry, it's going to get this out of the way. Yeah. Fuck that. Do it, man. Man. Yeah. Sitting in their house. Like we went and I bought a, <laughs> I bought a bike from a friend and a neighbor the other day and yeah, no one's like hugging and stuff now. And I saw something <laughs> that doctor, that Dr. Fauci guy was like, handshakes might be a thing of the past. I'm like, man, fuck that. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I, I do, I do jujitsu, man. There's yeah. no way I could. Yeah, dude. That was my first thought too. Was like, dude, uh, handshake. What about like grappling face to face with people? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh-uh. So definitely I definitely not. <laughs> so with every podcast, I I do an intro. So I just I did a little bit of an intro on you, but um, so. How Chase and I know each other is uh, when I tour, uh, because I train in jiu-jitsu and, and Muay Thai, um, you know, I just have a lot of friends in the mixed martial arts community. And what's been interesting is um, you're our first fighter that's uh, on the podcast. So I guess Jesse is a retired fighter, but um, and a lot of fighters 
uh, I've seen a lot of fighters share the music and anytime a fighter or jujitsu <laughs> shares the music online, I immediately hit him up and I'm like, where do you live? I want to train where you train. <laughs> and it, it's something that I like to do on tours is go train. And Chase is one of those people and we linked. Um, and I, when I was in North Carolina, um, I had three days off and I went and trained um, pretty much all day. Uh, yeah, you know, it was awesome. And Jumped right I, in with the group. Yeah, man. And, and I've trained a lot of places, but there was something about that place that was different. It was really special the way everybody treat each other, the way the coaches yes, talk to each other. So um, just tell the people a little bit about yourself, kind of your background in combat sports and how you got cool. to be involved with Jimmo. For sure. Awesome, man. Uh, I actually went to college to play football. Uh, I played football at a Division II school. Um, that's what I thought I was going to do. Uh, I was a little bigger. I played offensive line. I think my senior year, I weighed out in my pro day at like 292. Um, I was Damn, a monster. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like 10,000 like 10, calories a day, like eating baked potatoes for snacks. Like, uh, oh, man. Something, yeah, something crazy. But I played offensive line uh, four years in college. And the my I signed with an NFL agent, man. Uh, he, we decided to take a semester off of school. I took the second semester of my my senior year off school, uh, just focused on training, prep for some pro days. I went to a couple pro days, a couple workouts. Um, just didn't have the size <laughs> at two ninety two. I wasn't big enough. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, but I played Division two, so there wasn't uh, the the talent pool isn't the same. So they don't take a chance on a smaller Division two sure. lineman because he hadn't played those big Division one people. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we tried to make that happen, and uh, the day that it wouldn't, uh, my manager kind of fell off. He didn't talk to me for two or three weeks, and I finally sent him a message. I was like, hey, man, listen, I'm a grown-ass man. Like, if it's not going to work out, just tell me. Uh, the gym I work out in, I had to walk through and downstairs to every day was MMA gym upstairs, um, and I had a lot of friends who – I wrestled my whole life, um, so I had a lot of friends from the area, the county, that uh, wrestled, and the coach, every time I'd walk through, he'd be like, hey, man, you should come out here and get on the mats with us. Mm. Here you can wrestle. Uh, and I told him, I said, man, if football doesn't work out, I promise I'll be there. Well, maybe two days after that message, my manager called me up and was like, hey, Chase, sorry, man. Uh, kind of felt bad, but I don't think it's going to make it. He's like, I think you need to schedule classes, go back to school, finish school. And I was like, perfect, man. I hung my cleats up. I grabbed my wrestling shoes off the top of the thing. And instead of walking downstairs to the weight room that next day, I, I went and uh, started training. I had a fight about three, and a, three or four weeks later. Are you shitting uh, me? <laughs> yeah, my first – my first amateur fight was like literally three or four weeks after I uh, started training. Um, Love it. I've, I pumped out like two fights. That's three, two fights that summer before I went back to school. And I had one more that was like three or four weeks after school started. And, uh, man, I started training with a wrestling coach for that. Because Newberry has a badass wrestling team. They're mm -hmm. Division One. They're, they wrestle Division One teams all the time. Bunch of All-Americans. Bunch of national champions. Uh so I was like, yeah, man, I, I got to go work with those guys. I got to go drill with those guys. Um, and the heavyweight was injured at the time. So I actually got to start for probably 30 matches in college. Uh, at Newberry? I went back. Yeah, Newberry. Wow. Um, it was awesome. Uh, I was right at 500. Uh, it was crazy. I was 232 pounds wrestling these big heavyweights. My first match was one of these NC State heavyweights at Virginia Tech. It was crazy. It, it was unreal. Uh, but, yeah, so – Kind of speed that up a little bit. I, I had another fight um, right when I got back to school. So that was my third amateur fight. And then, man, three or four years down the road, I had an ability to turn pro. Uh, but the gym I was training at was mainly amateurs, didn't really have any. It was just kind of starting up. So we found a gym across town. and I, It was a crazy promoter. <laughs> he's cool. But he's kind of crazy. A lot of stuff to deal with. And uh, I told my training partner, I was like, hey, man, I found this Jeff Jimmo guy, man. I've heard about him for three or four years. But, but he's at this gym in Charlotte. My buddy was like, man, I don't want to go over there. And I was like, well, I've heard that if this is what I'm going to do, i got to find Jeff Jimmo. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, at that moment, I wrote down a little book. I got a notebook, and I wrote down that I was going to be able to train with him. Well, maybe eight, six months, seven months later, uh, the gym we were training at with all the drama had some issues. Uh, we came to train one day. They had the doors locked. And they were like, hey, you can't train here anymore. Well, conveniently, uh, we kind of – we're still working at the gym, uh, training at the gym locally. And mm -hmm. we were like, Hey Jeff, man, we've got a place man, 20 minutes from here that you can come train at. You can come, you can train everybody you want to there. You can run some classes if you want to, man, about, about a year later, it kind of formed into a little 
Jim O and uh, it's been on from there, man. I, I was able to quit full-time working. I was an ISS teacher and a football coach, wrestling coach. Mm -hmm. uh, I quit full-time working maybe three years ago and I just pretty much stick to Jeff Jim O's side as much as I can. So. Yeah. Tell people a little bit about him. So he's kind of a mystery dude. You know, my experience with Jeff. He's a unicorn, man. <laughs> yeah. And he, um, you know, I did some research and he, he's trained some great fighters. Um, the, the thing with him that's weird is I don't know how many people listening uh, grew up wrestling or, or maybe just had any coach. He's got that kind of classic um, coach thing where there's like a level <laughs> of seriousness, but you can tell he's a really loving, caring guy. Um, and he's super articulate in the way he explains things. It's like uh, like a like a third grader could understand it. Man, you know? yeah, you better believe it. And he's really specific, man. I've learned probably more from him as a coach than uh, as an athlete, man. Uh, the way he speaks, the way he I mean, he uses specific words, like so much that, like when he teaches something, when, when you kind of feel like you get in trouble, you know, when he's taught, you have to really look into what he's saying because he's being specific with his words. He chose those words for a reason. You know, he's just. Yeah. Uh, and you said a minute earlier about kind of the environment and the vibe that you felt there, man. I want to be transparent. That's completely from the top first. Um, he's yeah. a special being, uh, and it's kind of, you know, set the tone for a couple of us. We're like, man, that's that's the direction we want to go. You know, and he's super transparent. He's like, hey, I've had to figure a lot of this out the hard way, man. Y'all can speed up your process. Just listen. You know, so it's really cool, man. It's uh, yeah, he, so, he's special. So, I, I, you know, a little bit about the vibe at Jimmo is I think there's this idea, especially from people that don't train, um, that when they think of MMA, you know, and a lot of it is marketing is this like brute. You oh know, yeah. This, hey, what, hey, this thing right here. Yeah. <laughs> Chase, Chase got some staples in his head, uh, but you know, it's always sold as this kind of like Neanderthal endeavor. Um, oh, and the more you, I feel like the more you get into the sport, you, the more you realize that, that the athlete, bro, if you listen to your music, if you listen to your music, man, you do MMA, there's no, and it's such a connection to what it is. And yeah, there's like a, it's like a spiritual practice. <laughs> I want to get in your head a little bit about that because of, what I've found in the last three years of my life uh, of, of just taking training really serious is the further you go in the sport, the more kind of Zen out it is, the more, you know, Man, yeah. these people that are just magic. Talk a little bit just about that, like spiritual connection for you with fighting. Cause the way you talk about fighting and grappling is the same way that I feel about it. Too. <laughs> yeah, no, man. Uh, it's so special. There, there's not a lot, um, you know, like, people use yoga practice a lot to kind of get the flow. And, uh, and that's because for that yoga practice, you got to be fully involved, you know, fully engaged in that moment that's happening. Otherwise you're not in alignment and you're not gonna be able to balance and all that. So I think jujitsu, uh, you know, that's definitely what's, uh, helped me kind of get in a flow of things, you know, on a daily basis is you genuinely to be good, man, you have to be fully engulfed in that moment as if your life depends on it. And if it doesn't, Yep. You know, so I think it's a true mindful practice. You know, I'm, I love mindfulness, man. I love the idea of mindfulness in an athlete. Um, Jordan Mumford wrote a book that's amazing. If you haven't read it, it's, it's pretty good. Um, um, mind, mindfulness of an athlete, I believe. I, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I believe. I think it's su super simple. Um, but yeah, I think, man, it, I've been in the cage a bunch, man. My, my daily life, uh, I don't, I don't run into a lot of things that kind of, you know, make you think and make you dig, but, uh, MMA and jujitsu, man, it'll put you in a place and, and kind of separate you where you have to be, it's just you. Like you can't, if you think about, Oh man, what do they think about this? You're choked, <laughs> Yeah. you know, or yeah. dropped. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, being completely transparent. A lot of, a lot of my fights, man, is the only place where I go into a bad place in my head. Uh, yeah. and I'm trying to work through that. Um, yeah. that's why I keep going back to it. Uh, you know, I train really well and, and I, I live a beautiful life every day, but I get in the cage and there's a period where there's something truly on the inside that isn't worked out because that's where I'm real. That's where it's, huh, this is me. This is what I am. You know, I have to be that way or, you know, the fight won't go that way. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's really a big time spiritual journey for me. Man. Yeah, same. You know, so, some things that you touched on that are like identical for me is I've always joked that for me to have mindfulness, there needs to like, I always call it mindfulness at gunpoint. So yeah. I was always very drawn to you know, rock climbing. No, ice climbing. well, that's a George Mumford's actual definition of that is 
paying particular attention to the present moment as if your life depends on it. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that, that's it. it. That's what his definition of mindfulness. Yeah. If you're in the middle of a roll and you start thinking about your bills, (laughs) you choke, done, done. That's just how it's going to go, you know? Um, And I find that there's something even beyond that mindfulness, or maybe it's a byproduct of that mindfulness. When I train really hard, like, Hey, the way you guys run your gym, I was just like, damn, no wonder these guys are just cranking out serious. <laughs> so I thought I was going to go in and just do a jujitsu class, but I got there and I think it was jujitsu for an hour. Oh, wrestling first, I re- think. Re- yeah, wrestling and, and <laughs> like a 20 minute break and then for, an, or not even like five minute break right. and then right into jujitsu and then right into striking. Yep. And, you know, as I was there and I was like, dude, I just trained for fucking five hours, you know? Um, yep. And there's something that happens <laughs> to me at the end of those days where I just feel so good and so clear and like somebody could cut in front of me and give me the finger and I'd like smile and wave at him. That's got to be, that's <laughs> got to be attached to the source, man. I think, right. We're attached to the source there. The flow, you know, the flow of life, flow of love, whatever it is, you know, we have a, we, we, our slogan says where the pros go. Um, and we laugh about it. We got a lot of business professionals, man. We got doctors and lawyers and realtors. Uh, we got a realtor who swears on his life that if he has a house to sell, he does jujitsu before it. He says it just puts him in a place of bliss, man. And, and that's hard to really explain to people if they haven't experienced, you know, like when he said, I was like, Oh bro, I got you. If you need me to roll before you sell a house, I'll come in. You come to my house. We'll get on. Well, I think what's yeah, hard, it's so hard when you start, you know, it's like everyone's speaking this foreign language. And, I, and I'm sure you saw it too, even with the wrestling background, you know, I thought I was going to be able, cause I, I grew up wrestling. Um, and I was like, okay, I wrestled for like nine years. Like there's gotta be, yeah, this stuff don't work. Yeah. No, <laughs> this work. Um, so, so I think that's, what's hard is like people hear, uh, people like we, you and I are sitting here talking about this magic that comes from it and like oh i'm gonna go try and they get there and they're like fuck this is terrible yeah, this is awful because it, it's it, wild oh. to learn the language you know and then i couldn't imagine man they got some issues going on you see it on the map man so it, it definitely uh i've seen it on both sides i've seen it turn up those bad issues and i've seen it turn down those things you know? so it's, it's just such a beautiful thing man i can't explain grappling yeah, and it anybody. Really, the thing that's cool about it is it, it really, like you just said, it brings up these things. So it weeds out dipshittery pretty quick. Yeah, quickly. Super insecure. You're not going to be able to hang because the fact that right. 17 year old girl that's been training for four years is going to choke the shit out of you. Like you're not going to be able to handle that. Yeah. Thing. You know, listen, uh, I had my nephew, I had my nephew live with me for, uh, he moved back with his mom now, but he lived with me for the last maybe two and a half years. And I'm not a dad by any means yet. So I didn't really know what to do besides put him right to my hip. And I happened to train a lot. Uh, so for two and a half years, he did jujitsu every single day, sometimes two times a day and wrestle. Uh, he trained like a professional <laughs> fighter. Yeah. He, uh, the, we went to, to his mom's one day and, uh, he had an old friend. His mom had a friend who used to wrestle with him all the time. It was kind of rough with him and he wanted to wrestle with him. So they went over across the street and the guy picked him up and slammed him almost too hard where I was about to step in. And next thing I know, he sent him triangle. Boom. And I heard him gurgling and I heard him tapping. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and John was 15 years old at the time, man. It was literally, as soon as he hit the ground, he just stuffed the wrist, went trying. Yep. It was awesome. And uh, then they wrestled a little more and the guy beat him the second time. Well, the guy was up there and he was talking junk to John. And I was kind of looked in, like, you could see it hit his ego. And he had a little 15 year old kid just triangle you up. And I, I, he said something. He was like, well, I slammed you. After. I was like, well, the first time was real, man. And he would have choked your butt out, dude. dude it was die. bad. Yeah. <laughs> you would have died. Yeah, your size doesn't matter. Strength, oh. None of that stuff. Yeah, I and, think uh, that's what's what's so cool about jujitsu is I, you know, I'm sure like you did, I grew up seeing, A, believing that martial arts movie were, was what martial arts looked like, but B, <laughs> you know, teaching women self-defense, striking. And every time I see that, I'm like, dude, if a 115-pound woman punches a 200-man in the face, I don't care how good her technique is. Yeah eat that shit like a snack you know or it's like can't can't muscle out of a choke you know i think that's the magic of jujitsu is that it's like i mean if your brain doesn't get oxygen it just isn't and it's done and and a 200 pounds man's bicep versus 115 pound girl's back it's just you know it's not going to happen um so talk a little you you brought up having your nephew there i remember you do a lot with the kids um in your community yeah i try to man uh well 
you know, when I was in me, me growing up, man, I had some special people in this community, man, that really, uh, there'll be a day, uh, when I make it, man, and I put, <laughs> they'll all get a little check in their mailbox. They won't know what it's for, man. But they, I've had a lot of people in this community help me, man. Uh, I thought that I just wanted to be a coach coming out of high school or mm-hmm. coming out of college. I wanted to go back and coach, you know, really give back to my community. And I did, uh, I coached for maybe the first four years I was out of school. Um, but I started running into a little conflict. Um, so I was, I was a coach and an ISS teacher. I was in ISS. I done, I done a good job. I got an intimidating persona and I was really cutthroat with the kids. So there'd be days I wouldn't have nobody in the room. So I'd be on YouTube researching for like two, three, four weeks at a time stuff, man. And I kind of, I ran into a conflict myself. Um, our area has got a thing where you almost make it and then you don't, something happens. So you tell everybody you got injured. You tell them about this big catastrophic event that didn't happen, but you still tell them how to get where you wanted to go. But yep. You, you didn't. Yep. You stopped there. And then like, you don't have good habits. So like how, man, it started getting real Buddha on them. I was like, you don't have good habits. So like, how can you tell a kid to do the right thing? If you're, it just started conflicting, man. It conflicted real hard. And I coached for about half a season more. And, uh, I was just like, man, like I, the, I'm trying to talk to this coach. He wouldn't look at me in the eyes, uh, but he's telling these kids to look at him in the eyes when he's talking to them. And I'm like, you know, there's just so many, I can probably give a million things in a book that I wrote down where it's just like, man, I, I want to do what I tell these kids. So I had to really uh, put everything to the side, take some sacrifices and put my full foot forward to chase my dream and chase my goals. And I think maybe five, 10 years down the road, I'll be able to come back and coach, um, you know, and not, I still could co-coach now, not that I couldn't and make a difference, yeah. but uh, I just, I really want to, I want to lead from the front lines, man. There, there's a lot of guys in this area they, and, and they're great people, man. They're helping people. I'm not saying that, you know, but they just got kind of caught up with life. Um, they didn't get to really chase their dreams the way we're trying to tell people to chase their dreams. And, you know, th- those same people are coming to me and be like, Hey man, you, you getting a job yet? You, well, actually, I have a job. And yeah, this is what I do full time. You know, so it's just a different mindset. I think, you know, uh, maybe even a little different level of thinking. You know, just not. Yeah, just I not going I think there's a thing too. Uh, they always say home is the last place that gets it. You know, like so for perspective, we play. Last time we played in Denver, we sold 600 tickets. Last time we played in Montana, I think we sold 120. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and even That's literally what, what happened was I bought a new truck this year. And that was when everyone was like, oh, so music's going okay, huh? <laughs> so it's a job then, you know, and it's like, oh, it, it people, is a job. <laughs> you know, and people just don't get it if they don't have that framework to get it, you know. And I don't know. One thing that I saw in when I was at Jimmo for those few days is, uh y'all over there are playing no games like it is very very clear that everybody there is 100 percent focused on where they're going like i just from what i gathered from like you and trucking and impa and um oh, what was that yes, sir. man it's a contagious thing man uh taylor yeah, yep. taylor yeah it's a, it's a contagious thing i can't that's that's another thing you know people come to jim owen you'll get people message you and ask you prices. And if people are asking for that, you know, usually I, I don't reply back. You know, it's that people find it. I mean, really uh, people from all around the world, uh, special people find it. We have, I'm about to have a Brazilian. We cleaned up my little upstairs area in my house. Uh, as soon as it gets clear, man, we got a Brazilian uh, coming from Rio de Janeiro um, to run our jujitsu program, you know, so just special people from all around the world pull here. Uh, so, um, you know, that, that, that in itself is just really cool being a part of um, yeah it's, it's just it's weird just contagious. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere man let's hey listen this is my rock this is where i grew up at man this is <laughs> really the gym's like six minutes from my house uh i grew up 10 minutes from the gym yeah um i, I grew up going past that building my whole life so it's kind of cool you know and my ideas i got these books man where i wrote all these goals down where what i want to be and you know where, where i want to be and um it's really cool to see it kind of pull right here to this rock and I mean, hell, even, yeah, even you guys, man, even the connection to you, I mean, it's yeah, just such a cool. Talk about that. So I'm always curious about that. How did you find our music and how do you, uh, how did it, how did it relate to what right, you were doing? Man. I think a lot of our fans are probably like, why are MMA fighters yeah. listening to that song? Hey, listen, it's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. It's definitely a frequency. Uh, 
No, me and me and Impa, um, we're really good friends with Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. He's one of the UFC guys. Uh, probably him and Scott Holtzman are probably one of our top two names, you know. And then, but Brian put us on it. Brian's real close. Me and Impa was Brian's main training partners for his last like three fights. Um, he's a phenomenal dude. He's got a, a Bam Fam ranch out in Tennessee. Uh, he's got him a big homestead, uh, and he drives across the mountain and comes and trains with us. Um, but he put us on that song, and it was it was right before our trip to Phoenix, uh, maybe last February. And uh, Vincent Henderson is uh, who played that song with Bam Bam and David Mashad, who's uh, Ben Henderson. Vincent Henderson? Vincent Henderson. No uh, shit. They, lis- they listen to that at the lab, bro. So, like, Brian played it for us really? like, right before – Brian fought in Phoenix the week Brian fought in Phoenix the week before he played it like one of his last songs of his camp. We know we finished up practicing. He was like, man, Impa Chase, I want y'all to hear this song. And he hit play. Well, we were out at the lab and we would already, when you hit play on one and it was, I am of course. So that was the first, you know, and then me and Impa love music. Um, and he's probably the most loving person I've ever been around next to me. So it just kind of made sense that it linked to us. Um, but Ben played it one of the days on sparring day. Uh, and we just, we've kind of ran with it, man. We've played it a little bit of everywhere. And in my head, uh, a little crazy thought is there's not a lot of people in, that I've met in this world that love uh, the way, you know, in your, your lyrics, man, I think it just speaks to that frequency, that, uh, that way of thinking just, man, just, I feel, I feel love when I hear it, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's impacted Impa and I so much, you know, and I'm going to say Impa and I a lot, me and him spend a lot of time over the past, yeah, kind of, you know, for me, the thing is, is like, I feel like especially that record, the story of you so much of it for me, <laughs> trying to figure out who I was and, and what I was going to do and what that record, you know, I wrote most of it when I was in Nepal and it was all kind of like, oh, I'm supposed to give myself to my dream. <laughs> anything less than that would be a complete waste of a life. Better believe um, it. Yeah. So I, it, it makes me really happy when I meet other people that are like, yeah, man, I'm chasing this thing down, and, and this is my soundtrack to it because that's so much. I believe it. And that, that's how I use your music, man. When I pass it to people, I don't, I'm like, hey, I think, I think you need to listen to this, man. Just listen to the words. They don't even worry about that. The guy that on the gym downstairs, I think he heard your music for the first time yesterday. But, man, this, this dude's given his life to it. He, he owns the gym. He runs, he, he lives in it. <laughs> He's got him an apartment built in the back of the gym. Like, that's what he's done his whole life since I knew him when I was in high school. Um, and I played Made for This for him and let him hear that you know and he was like man that's good he was like who is this you know he he googled you guys so that's that's another one that's just going to listen just kind of touches people man uh and then it was really cool to hear that you done mma like i think that's just another one of those coincidental and the artist is special like find out your music is awesome it links to kind of way our hearts feel you know the stuff that me and Impa try to live and then to find out your ass is a jiu-jitsu player you know you're a purple belt and you you, you train like, mma almost almost Okay. All right. I thought, all right. All right. <laughs> Almost. Uh, okay. Close. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Nah, I, that's, and, well, that's and a test to you right there, man. I, I thought, I thought you were purple belt, you know, and that's yeah. all that, that, that slick, uh, I got, I got caught in a little slickness by you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, um, it's, it's crazy because, um, I think much like, um, the vibe I felt at Jimmo where I trained the grindhouse, which is like, it's the same thing. Will Grunhauser, uh, our professor, is the same thing. He's just, uh, he's a different breed. Uh, he's a super, yeah, Zen master vibes for sure, but also just an absolute it. savage. You can see it in his eyes, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, battle it every day, right? Yeah. Not to let it come out. You can see yeah. it with Jeff, man. You can say something to him sometimes and he just, and it changes yeah. his whole, yeah, you see it, you can feel it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's cool. You know, Jeff, Jeff said something to me, and I came home real stoked about it um, and, and told Will, and he was like, well, yeah, man, it's because I do my job, you know, but I told him, <laughs> Jeff, when we were doing those live rounds, I took a round off, and I just went and sat with him for a minute, and I was like, what'd you think, man? And he was like, you're a real martial artist, bro. And I was like, yes, thanks dude like that means a lot <laughs> that means a lot to yeah. me. it's not um it's definitely not just a hobby to me it's definitely a way that i try to live my life um For i haven't sure. taken you a tell, fight man. you know i haven't taken a fight but my my life pretty much revolves around training because there is there's something that i get from it that like we're saying it's this uh it's it's magic like i can't imagine my life sure. without it um you know it's a really weird thing you know i know you just had 
had the the staples in your head but if you had any real good injuries i hurt my neck real bad this year man where i was out for almost six months man i'm gonna knock on my deck right now knock on some wood really uh i've been most of my life injury free man uh i got little nicks and stuff there you know Mm -hmm. like i could probably get a bunch of little things fixed but it's nothing that plays a major role this is probably the most uh time because with this i couldn't really roll or anything yeah they got hit and busted open. chase chase got how many staples in your head eight staples and two stitches on the outside and probably it looked 36, it looked like 36 on the inside yeah it's just like an orange peel man it just it just split open like an orange peel it didn't even knock me out it just skidded up my head uh no no, no trouble right from the gate None, no? nothing at all no well, I, I yes as soon as uh, he hit me with the hook and it kind of rocked me and when the knee hit as soon as my hands hit the ground it was, I mean, I already seen the blood pouring. Yeah. The ref said, we're calling it for the cut. Like, as soon as I hit the ground, it was, you know, so. Yeah, it's so, it's so crazy. Um, that, I think, is the thing that intrigues me most about, you know, that gets me really amped where I'm like, fuck, I want to take a fight. Is any place you can get to. Uh, I had a buddy of mine tell a story. He got a real bad cut on his forehead, too. And he said the only way that he – he said he went once they separated and he put his hand on it and he felt the skin move. And he was like, no, that's my mind playing tricks on me. And then uh, he said, the ref stopped the no. it was the look on the ref's face that made him go, Oh, <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> it, man. So if you think about it, I guess of, Oh yeah. And you broke your finger too, right? Oh yeah. I guess maybe you can just kind of see yeah, how fat it still is Oof. compared to my other one. Sorry. Flipping you off. No, it's all right. Yeah. yeah. And I can't, can't bend it all the way still yet uh mine's not that bad but this is yeah. two years after breaking it so it might Ooh, might just stay well, there it was it was kind of hanging off this way i'll send you a pic i'm gonna send you the picture if i didn't yeah, already of it sideways uh yeah i think that hurt worse than my head man that's what i was telling like everybody was checking on me this is, man how's your head i was like listen my head's fine but you're breaking this up, shit hurts. hurts and you don't realize man, how, well, like, it, one it of didn't break no, oh, it didn't break. It completely dislocated. They said that was worse because it messed up the joint capsule and stuff too. on the inside. Yeah, it, it just fudged it all up. So I can't bend it yet. And You're definitely uh, never yeah. put a ring on that. <laughs> that. No, definitely not. So that that's probably way worse than any of the other injuries I've ever had right there. Um, but I, I've kind of missed them. I've attested that to the way I've trained, I hope, um, my whole yeah. time. I remember college, playing in college, and you would have guys that that wouldn't go home and prepare the way they're supposed to. They would come to camp, and about a week and a half into camp, man, they would fall apart. They would break, and they didn't. You have to prepare your body for this, you know. And I think that's something a testament to the way Jeff trains uh, that kind of helps us avoid injuries. Is yes, and we're always moving. You know, we're always yes, moving. We're I always trapped. So. And I also I know that, that there is the other thing that is special there that I notice. Um, usually, because I get invited to come to the academy by whoever runs or owns the academy. <laughs> I don't get fucked with very much. Like I have a lot of friends that have stories of being like, sure. yeah, dude, so your version of how this thing goes is way different than mine. Cause I got <laughs> into a school, you know, right after I got my blue belt and every white belt in the room was trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, but I can, man, I, I argue with our white belts all the time. It's your vibe, man. Like that was yeah. a big, uh, uh, for you, let's say like me as a, as a person, man, when you linked up to come and you're like, Hey, you know, I do, you can, you can imagine it's hard to find, people that really do it, you know, and really like Jeff telling you you're a martial artist. Like I would expect that after listening to your music. If, if you wasn't, then it'd be, <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute, is this music real? You know, but the fact that, it, that you are a true martial artist, I think that attests to your music. If it, that makes sense in any way. you know. Yeah. I think there's like a level of everyone has to understand. And, and at Jimmo, it seemed like every single person on the mat got that memo that like, all right, guys, if we're all going to train together every day, we can't be getting fucking hurt, man. No, nope. And I think it helps too, man. We've got a couple that a couple of the guys that, that and, and we don't really have a chopping order, you know. We don't have a food chain, but you know, of course, there's some. Some of us are a little bigger, stronger, better than most. Um, yeah. you know, when we when we show, not saying that there haven't been a few times where I looked at someone and I got done, and I was like, hey, man, listen, if you ever roll with me like that again, I'm going to let you know son, son. why I am what I am. Like, yep. it's okay. I love you. This is jujitsu class, but if you try to fucking kill me again, just understand that everything I did for you just then was mercy. Yep. You know, and we have a couple blunt moments like that, but usually uh, Jeff is such a special person with people. 
Um, yeah. I think he, I think he has some psychology degrees probably. I got um, that vibe from him. He seems like a yeah. philosopher. You got to meet this guy to understand. Yeah. Man, esoteric. There's not a, yes. everything he does is esoteric. He's not, he's teaching us techniques, man. He's giving us the key. <laughs> he's not, to, he's just giving me the key to learn it all. Um, I think that's something special. I, maybe that's what I should have said earlier, but describing Jeff, man, like, he doesn't teach you uh, techniques, man. He teaches you how to learn techniques. Um, that gives is you that, that, yeah, and, dead on, dude. Um, yeah, like I he's giving remember, you the key. <laughs> yeah, and I still remember everything I learned when I was there. And any time, uh, <laughs> like I, I literally remember. It's mortar, man. It's crazy. Turtle and I'm about to take their back. I always see that inside hand and grab. And I'm like, man, if we were in a fight, I would do this inside hand grab and punch you through this Better hole. Believe it. You know, right through this hole. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, I think there's um, you know, we had a guy at our gym. He's a four stripe white belt, and he has been for a very, very long time. And I don't, I think the reason he keeps not getting his blue belt is because he hasn't got that part yet. You have and to. Every time, dude, he just so we have. But they try to kill me. <laughs> yes. So, so he has a. We have a brown belt, tall, lengthy guy, and and S J J I F. He is the number two ranked brown belt in the world. He, this kid is only 20, 20 years old. He's a brown belt. In he is an absolute problem striking. Like his striking is as good as his jujitsu. Um, oh, and this day, I had only seen this kid a couple times, but uh, he, he's standing there and all of us are doing repetitive rounds, you know, and this kid's kind of standing there and I'm getting ready to leave. And I go back out on the mat Cause same thing. We don't really have a higher, there's kind of a hierarchy at the gym, just as far as like, you know, the, the inner circle of people that are yeah. about it. So I just kind of went out to the boys and was like, yo man, someone give this dude some rolls and everyone kind of rolled their eyes. And I was like, the fuck out of here, man. He's not even a blue belt. Like give this kid some rolls. Um, so he rolls with Mikey and I hear Mikey who usually is just super playful and giddy. I hear Mikey <laughs> just fucked up. And so I watch Mikey just tag. He is just choking this kid left and right. And then he goes, his next round is with uh, a 240 pound division one wrestler. And I didn't even <laughs> roll. I have over my shoulder and this kid gets like a power double from hell. Ugh. So he gets a shit and he leaves. And I asked both the guys and they're like, dude, he was like bending my fingers back and like, you know, oh. and it's just like, well, oh. that kid is just not going to last because he's eventually going to nope. find out like, Dude, if a guy like – so for, for perspective for everybody, I had never rolled with anyone that was as large and compact as you and Impa. Um, <laughs> like action <laughs> figure humans. Like what do you weigh? Uh, right now probably 220, 215, 220. Yeah, dude. I was probably 95 about that time because I think I was prepping for a fight and we had yeah. a lot of guys fighting. Yeah, I was probably right about 200, 205 pounds. Yeah, you and Impa <laughs> just – I think until and he's 220 right now, for sure. For sure. Dude, he is like that. His genetics, dude. He man, Kongan. Like a human. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Congo. Um, and, the, and how just like rock solid he is. Like, yeah, it's just a crazy thing. If you don't come into the other thing, I think that leads to that humbleness is like, I get my ass kicked a lot. You know, and especially when man. I'm going to a place like yours. It was my traded partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, you know, so. So it's, I think people just, you have to come in with this level of humbleness because it's like, if you don't have that, dude, and a guy like you turns it on, that's a bad day, dude. That's a yes, real sir. Yeah. So I think, I think that plays a good role and everybody there kind of understands it at Jimmo, you know, and like I say, I like, I, the reason why I quit coaching is I didn't feel like I was leading from the front line. So, uh, you know, that also gives, as long as I'm doing those things right, when people come in and I'm treating those guys right, then I feel like it gives me the ability to speak up and be like, hey, bro, that's that's not how you do things here. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but that's not how it is, you know. But uh, I tell people all the time that I never, let me say never, maybe two times in my career I've went to a place and somebody tried to give it to me. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, man, I've rolled it a million places. I swear it's the energy you give back. Yep. Um, because like, you know, that white belt is grabbing fingers and stuff. You know, I go along with that uh, and don't let that happen. You know, I, I'm in as much control of that as well. Like he shouldn't be able to grab my fingers if I'm not holding there in little. So I, I would try to get even, you know, turn it back on me. You know, I guess that's a little Buddha-esque there as well. You know, just looking inward. Like I think I can still control that. You know, I think 
I'm still in charge of that. So especially with jujitsu. And and I've shown that with a bunch of people. There's only a few people that I've ever had to be like, hey bro, this is <laughs> this isn't it. This isn't the game. We have MMA practice in a couple hours, but this is jujitsu class. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. If you want to come to MMA practice, we could do this. But this is for jujitsu, man. This is for people that work. Yeah, I so. think um you know, my professor has a theory that my injury was as important in my jujitsu journey as anything else because I went through, you know, after being down there, I came home and I had a chunk of time off, man. And I was getting it. I was squirrely, man, where I was like <laughs> walking with a little bit of swagger, you know, and was yeah, for was, sure getting on the war path. Pretty hey, much. I can't wait till we get back. Go ahead. Talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you know will kind of just pulled me aside and was like hey man when you started with me and as you progressed the thing that i really fell in love with with you was this you had this soft energy that were just 100 percent student and you were just doing good because you were a good student and now you have this just like you know, <laughs> yes you have, sir like, this hooligan vibe in you and like dude you got to cut that out because that's what's going <laughs> to prevent you from getting to the next part of your journey next level yep and I kind of was like, no, man, you know, like, I've like, no, I want this savage mode, blah, blah, blah. And man, when I got hurt, it was just like, cause I was hurt, hurt. Like I couldn't use yeah. my right arm. I was getting an hour or two asleep. Oh, no, for sure. Um, and you know, and it just really, it humbled the shit out of me of just like, oh no, man, if I want to do this forever, if this is actually my spiritual path then I need to slow down and, mm -hmm. you know, well, that's kind of the. Like I say earlier, I didn't ever have many injuries. Uh, I guess any injuries that stopped me. But, you know, like if I, I've, I've hurt my back before. Where if I was standing up, it hurt. So guess what? It didn't hurt. Rolling. You know, mm -hmm. so I've always found ways to work around it. And, and I think that's true with your, with your instructor. Like, I, I've, I've rolled a bunch maybe in the past year and a half. So no injuries or anything. But, you know, I'm really letting everything go, you know, and making sure that I protect myself wholly and, you know, that softer side of stuff. Uh, you know, I definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting too. You know, we talk a lot about pace. I can roll for an hour, man. I can roll yeah. for an hour that's, with guys. Like, and that's the sign that you're doing it right, man. Is like, I believe so. You know, it's how you stay safe too. Um, pace seems to be a big thing. Like, I guess, uh, you know, Will always brings up Nick Diaz. And when you would watch some <laughs> of his old fights, he was never in a hurry. There was no part of him that was like, eh, eh. like you watch early Frankie Edgar, you know, and he's yep. bouncing around like he's on fire. <laughs> all spazzy yeah yeah and nick diaz is chilling every punch he throws is half speed almost he's yep. just like and if you keep that pace i think there's just like to life if you're approaching life right. in way of like man i'm not trying to just like you know blast through it get, no. get my black belt by 35 and then not be able to roll after 40 it's like that's not <laughs> that's not i think that's what i think that's the mindful part of the jiu-jitsu man i think that's why anybody getting into jiu-jitsu man look into having to be mindful right because then you can't be trying to blow past it man you got to take it as it is and you know uh the journey so far for me man jujitsu wise when 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 i learn new things it's like holy crap i thought i knew <laughs> i thought i knew a lot you know i thought i had an idea of what's going on nope definitely don't you know so it's, it's so much so much there how many pro fights do you have 16 holy shit 16 mma uh two kickboxing two boxing so i guess 20 total damn and how old are you uh 30 just turned 30 month ago month and a half ago damn yep uh pumped them out man me which me and impa kind of you know same same kind of he pumped out six in a year you know i pumped out five mma fights two kickboxing fights and a boxing fight in a year damn. Um, yeah, we, Impa, when I found out how long he's been training, and I the, the only reason that I knew was next to you that day because I went back and watched his fight on the Contender Series, and Bisbing was talking about how little he had trained, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Bisbing said he was greed. I was like, what? <sighs> so he looked so composed and so, yeah, so like, like, just, like, I, I bitch said him afterwards, like, hey, man, I don't, I think you could have been a little more, like, could get after him a little more you know i think you were a little reserved and then to hear the excuses they made it's definitely i got it i got it. upset with it <laughs> I, I turned it i'm gonna off. put a bunch of guys uh a bunch of the jimmo guys instagram handles uh info in this so you can follow them but impa is 
from the Congo, right? Yes, sir. And he has a smile on his face 99.98% of the beautiful. time. Um, and when he you is my brother, him, I say, how did you get into fighting? And he said, God chose me. Um, and he is just the most lighthearted, sweetest, soft-spoken guy. And then you watch him fight and the same thing, he's smiling and mellow and just like, so Stone cold, cold, right? Yeah. And he never seems in trouble. Like he nope. doesn't ever seem nah. like he's in trouble. Well, we, we pick around about it all the time. We're in trouble when we train with each other. Yeah. You know, like, and, and this stuff like this. Yeah. Man, I wasn't in trouble in that fight. I took a left hook and a knee. Yep. You know, I, I wasn't. He hit me four times before that in nine minutes, you know. Um, that was my fifth and sixth strike that he landed in the fight. Um, so, you know, I, we, we put ourselves in trouble, you know. We, me and him, uh, maybe a, probably about a year ago, we, we were drilling. I don't remember what happened, but I, I know that I felt both of us just kind of settle. Mm-hmm. we got done. I looked at him and I said, Hey man, we can never do that again. I said, if we, and he'll tell you, it was like a super serious moment for me. I was like, Hey man, you, you didn't try to, you didn't try to win that position. I didn't try to win that position. We can't do that. Shit anymore. If we, if we do that, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We have to, and then we, we kind of went on a thing where we had to be each other's enemy. Um, you know, vibe while we're rolling and while we're working and we went through a period of that. And now we we're over that we can love each other and try to kill each other. But you know, we, we had to go through that phase. We were like, man, we have to prepare each other for everybody. Um, you know, and then that's kind of, we truly took that to heart for both of us. You know, we watch each other's opponents and we try to be each other's opponents. I was a better Kalen Hill than Kalen Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, and that's the idea we're trying to do. Um, that's, we just completely serve, man. I've never met another person uh, around me like Impa that serves the way that I always have. Um, he's a special one too. So talk a little bit about, um, again, I just, the, the percentage of our audience that's hip to the fight game is, is probably pretty small. One thing that I think a lot of people are confused about all the time that to me is the coolest, most beautiful part of the sport is when two people fight <laughs> roll, and then give each other a hug afterwards. Um, or being able to, like you're saying, to be with your best friend and be like, look, the betterment of you, I'm going to try to kill you today. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I, didn't, I didn't try to finish you there, and I'm sorry. I, you know, I didn't prepare you for your fight coming up kind of thing. Uh, man, it's cool. I probably – see, out of 16 pro fights, maybe there's five that I, that I won't, don't speak to. But probably the other 11, um, they always – man, it's such a cool community because the last three guys I fought would send, you, send me a message on fight day. Hey, man, good luck today. Yeah, hey, go get after it. It's just uh, – but I think, you know, in a crazy world we live in, how, how hard is it to be your true authentic self? Mm-hmm. super hard you know um and I, I mentioned it earlier with the cage i think that's where you kind of have to be there's not you have to be connected to exactly what you are in the cage otherwise there's other things going on there's static going on and you know you don't focus on the task at hand uh so i think at that moment two individuals are so close to who they really are and what they really are that it's hard not to in i guess intimately in, in a way you know fighting is an intimate thing maybe mm-hmm. um, because you definitely have a connection to the people I can't fight. think of anything more intimate. I think it's more. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it, right? And I, I know intimate. We think a lot of times in, in you know, love and stuff like that, but yeah. it's just a real intimate. You're, you're, y'all are both raw at that moment, you know, in everything. Really, all you got on is gloves and a pair of skimpies, you know. So yeah. it's about as raw as it gets there, too. Um, you know, no, nothing else matters but this task at hand, and uh, yeah, I, it's just uh, it's a cool, it's a cool thing there. Um, yeah, sure. not a lot in the, you know, again, I think, you know, in the professional world, I think the UFC, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, it's just like CNN, you know, the blood and <laughs> scary shit is what's, what sells people. Yep. Um, and the rivalry, you know, which, hey, you know, I love a good rivalry if there's a good story to it. <laughs> like if it's a real. Yeah, a, yeah, but not something you pull out of your butt. <laughs> no, and that was the thing, you know, as far as fighting styles go, I love Nick and Nate Diaz. But the thing that I really just can't get behind with Nick was he literally had to make himself hate. Yeah. He was about to fight, man. Hey, man, you meet, you meet <laughs> fighters like that, man. You, you do meet, and I guess for fighters like, you know, for martial artists like this, there's martial artists the other way. You know where they maybe not martial arts, but they're fighters. You know, and I think that's a that's a good way to describe it too. You know, some people are fighters. You yep. know, and some people are martial artists that fight. You know, I guess that's probably the best way that I could put it for me. 
I'm a full-time mixed martial artist that I, I compete in combat sports. You know, I, I'm not a fighter. Um, that's not, you know, I guess I, you know what I mean though. It's yeah, not, yeah. I'm not, I'm a martial artist, you know, it's a, it's a different approach to it. Um, but there are those guys out there, man, they, they have to create that anxiety within their self and they have to be scared to death or mad or worse for me. I feel like <laughs> Impa has a story he's talked about a few times and me, uh, me one as well. Like, uh, his last amateur fight he lost um, to a guy that was – the guy beat him, but I don't think the guy was better than him. But I, I remember watching Impa warm up, and it was right before me and Impa got close. It was just maybe his second fight with us, amateur. And I watched him try to make himself mad the whole time. He was trying to warm up, and could you see Impa trying to be mad? You know, like now we laugh about it afterwards. We're like – I was like, bro, I've I seen it. I've seen it on his face, and I felt the vibe with him. I felt like he was trying to be mad. And then he goes in the fight and kind of gums up, doesn't do anything. Um, and we pick on him a lot about it now. But, uh, you know, he just kind of didn't do anything. And, and we, we kind of came to the conclusion, we think that's what it was, man. He was trying to force an emotion that that's not what he is, man. He loves the fight, you know. So yeah. now now we're in the back juggling and giggling. Yeah, everyone and says that. You know, it's funny. It's sleeping. Funny. <laughs> it's cool watching people go from fighters to martial artists because I feel like that's the story of Will. Yes, uh, sir. And – you know, he got his nickname, The Grinder, because he would literally, you know, he was the guy that was like, man, I'll, I'll eat two to give you one. Yeah, you, know? you better believe it. You know, like, no problem, dude. Hit me as hard as you can in the face. Yeah, I'm trying to slip, slip, and then hit you. Forget that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, and, and there's stories of him punching people's hands when they, like, would come in to hit him. He'd punch their hands. Crazy, right? Fuck out of here. Um, and now... Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it is having kids and stuff, but but he is this, you know, totally the Zen master. It's funny because I, you know, I remember growing up wrestling, and I was always the before I wrestled, I wanted to get myself down to a two, so I could go to a ten in the match. You know, so I was always listening to music and and barely even jumping around. Usually just sitting there cross-legged waiting for him to get. You got those kids smacking their face. Just gonna say, man. When I would look across the map, you know, because you're standing on either, either side of the score desk, and I would see these dudes hitting themselves in the face and their dad barking at them and stuff, and I would just be like, I'm going to beat you. Without yeah, I'm doubt. sorry, buddy. You've yeah. already beat yourself, dude. You're scared. You're nervous. Like, you're making yourself yep. angry to do this. I'm looking at you like, oh, yeah, dude, I literally wrestle hours a day. So this is really what I spend most of my time <laughs> thinking about anyway. And you're over here pissed, you know, like you, yeah, I don't, your body, you know, I, got I guess, mind. I guess because we are, uh, the survival people we are, you know, at, at heart, you know, I guess that's why that works. Why you can get a guy and you can train one move a thousand times and make him really good at that one move. He could probably beat, you know, yep. or that, that emotion or whatever. I think because that does work, I think that's why it's sold the way it's sold. Um, but I think it only works because of the type, you know, because we're survivors. We're, we were cavemen at one time that had to fight saber tooths. So, of yep. of course, getting mad and fighting for your life, you will have success at a point, I think. But that's definitely not what I'm going for, for sure. Yeah, think about that. I think there's an important compartment that we have to put violence in. And it's kind of has this stigma of, of being like a super negative thing. And for me, I just feel like maybe it's because I grew up around it so much. And my, you know, my dad was really huge on like, if you didn't listen to a teacher, man, he was going to whip your ass. Oh, if, if you got you go. fight at school, fine. <laughs> you, know, you better believe it. Yeah. Didn't care. Um, so maybe I just have a different take on it, but I feel like um, it's something that is so primal and deep in our DNA. Like, I don't care if you are a Swede, if you're Irish, if you're African, trace your ancestry back and at one point they were warrior people facts exactly. that's why everybody relates to it it does not yep. matter and i think there's a lot of a big stigma around or not stigma but an overuse of the word warrior especially in this like new age conscious whatever that means culture and when i see yeah. people use it i'm like but how much mm. time do you spend doing warrior shit yeah for sure are you really prepping for that yeah yeah Man, I tell you, looking into languages and stuff, I think that's a big issue uh, with our English language, man. It's just, there's so many, like, you can use warrior for, you know, like in Spanish, you wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't call 
yourself a warrior you'd have a specific word for what you're doing to make you as strong at whatever you're doing yeah, yeah. they would call you a warrior so yeah. i think it's english man i think our english language it kind of leaves a lot of translation there I think that's, yeah. why, that's one of our biggest well, issues <laughs> someone told me one time uh that Laco- the lakota have something like 13 different words for love because of like all of the complexity of the word itself yeah man it makes sense you know you wouldn't just say i love you to your brother the same way you'd say i love you to your wife you know but yeah it's a it's an interesting thing because uh, that's the that'd be that'd be a long deep conversation there to get into that man (laughs) yeah so it's uh it's i i just i hope what i hope to do by having fighters on the podcast is just kind of like get get this perspective, like your perspective, what you're talking about is, you know, it's your spiritual practice. It's, it's what you do. You are. The other thing that I see with fighters that I don't see with any other people I meet is I don't look at creating music as what I do. It's absolutely 100% who I am. Um, and I feel like fighters are the same way. They're not just like, Oh yeah, here's this thing that I do. They're Hmm. like, this is what I am. This is what I was made for. homie. Yeah. 100%, you know, pick, number two on my list is made for this, for that reason. It's just one of the, it just touches, man. I'm like, fuck, I, cause I get so much scrutiny, especially, you know, in little small communities where, you know, I was a bigger name growing up. Uh, we were on a state championship team. I came back and I coached. I, I got a call to be the, the, the offensive coach for the JV team, the head coach for the JV team because we got a new coach in town. I haven't coached in three years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just – you, I catch a lot of scrutiny um, because I'm not doing that. Man, that's what you should be doing. That's what you're supposed to be doing. I'm like, I know. I think this is it. This is what I'm. This is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I was made for. I, I was listening yesterday when I played the song for Robbie, the guy downstairs in the weight room. We were lifting weights, and a couple of us, and I was just like, man, this is it. You know, this is what I. There's no question. This is what I am. This is who I am, and that's just what I do. This is who I am. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. That's sure. I feel you there, bro. Well, so I have these standard questions uh, that I ask everybody on the podcast, man, and then I'll cut you loose. Um, what was the first music, if any, that what was the first record or song that made you cry? One uh, of uh, Randy, man, maybe Three Wooden Crosses, man. That was a good one. That's the one that popped okay. in my head right yeah. off gate. Yeah. Did we play the Randy Travis song when we played in North Carolina? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it was awesome. Yeah. Um. What is your favorite hip hop album of all time? Ooh. Oh, man, I'm a, I, I grew, I guess it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be considered hip hop, but man, I, you're going to laugh. Like, and it's more like rap. I, to Carter. I'm like, a like that was around the time the rap, yep. the little way what he was coming out was like when I was in school and stuff. So like, if I could give you a hip, that would be but i like old school hip-hop that's like what my spotify plays is old school hip-hop and stuff yeah, um, but if i had to give you an album i guess it would be a uh, one of the little wayne the yeah, first couple to go that too, so that's the yeah too. yeah man we rode around in my buddy's cadillac and had some funny things with that so yeah for sure what uh what is three records that you're listening to right now or three artists oh man hmm. sat saying nf NF and huh, who would be my third? Man, probably Trevor Hall. I man, I, obviously uh, your music linked linked us with uh, a lot of other Nako and Trevor. You know, those, those are definitely all my jam lists, my Spotify. That Which plays is so funny for me. It's always the other way around. People are like, I was listening to Trevor, and um, that was how I found you. <laughs> so it's funny <laughs> hearing that it went. Yeah, no, yeah, it was the other way around for sure, man. He, we, we laugh because talk about the tri- your music also links up with the tribe, man. And, you know, our Jimmo tribe, that's kind of our thing. Um, you know, and when you look into your music, you see your tribe and all the people linked to you guys. And that's kind of how we found it. Where's the love from Trevor is kind of definitely what caught our attention first. <laughs> yeah. Timeless anthem. Um, sure. Well, hell yeah, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and I'd love to link again. Maybe we'll get Imp on here. Man. Hey, um, that'd be awesome, dude. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It was, uh, it was definitely a highlight for the week, man. It, excited to talk to you excited to hang yeah man hopefully this shit gets over man i want to get around man i want to come around i want to do some make a plan i'd like to come up there we travel all the time man we'd love to have you that's like the my big goal i always tell will is that's like the 
the thing is I have a buddy in Arizona that we're trying to get up here too. And, and once this thing clears up, I can't wait to, uh, to bring people that I've trained with in other parts of the country up. To yeah, man. I'm, that's, that's what me and my girlfriend do, man. We, we get in the car and we travel a lot. Um, and anytime you want to come here, man, like I said, we got area upstairs and, and we, yeah, I die to the get gym. back there, man. You know, like, um, it's, uh, like I said, it's it's one of uh, one of a small handful of places I've trained everywhere, man. And there's there's about three or four that really touched my heart when I was there. And, and Jimmo is at the top of that list, man. It's awesome, man. We're proud of it. Well, big love to you, bro. Let's stay in touch, and uh, for sure, we'll talk soon, man. Take Appreciate care. it, man. Yo, all right, that was Chase Gamble. This is Drew. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Um, we have some some more fighters that'll be on the podcast. I hope y'all can feel that, um, that love and and respect, uh, for, for the martial arts that, that I have. Um, and, and there's so many parallels between the journey of a martial artist, the journey of a musical artist, um, you know, professionally, spiritually, relationship wise, it's, uh, there's just a lot of similarities. So I really want to share that with you guys. Um, Next week on the podcast, we will have Keller fucking Williams, and I'm so excited to share with you. It was uh, it was a hilarious conversation. He is one of my favorite musicians of all time. He's so versatile uh, and, and creative, and um, it was it was a dream come true to even get to sit down and chat with the dude. Um, so make sure you turn in next week. And you like, share, subscribe, and feel free to hit me on Instagram and DM me and tell me who you want to hear on the on the podcast. But we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week with Keller Williams. Peace.